you are listening to the Invitation Church podcast. To learn more about Invitation Church, visit us online at invitation605.com. You can also download our app on iTunes and Google Play by searching for Invitation 605. Good morning, everyone. My name is Jane Brockle. Um, I'm going to be reading some scripture here from Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. It says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise, praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one, in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. And he made known to us a mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times will have reached their fulfillment, to bring all things in heaven and on earth together, <clears throat> under one head, even Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in, in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you were also included in Christ, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Awesome, thanks so much. So today we're starting an 11-week journey through the book of Ephesians. And right in front of the fancy chairs that we now have, there's a little insert, a little half sheet um, that kind of has where we're going to be kind of heading over the next little, little bit. I noticed some of you found it already. Good job. Uh, but it's just an opportunity for you to kind of follow uh, Paul's letter uh, to this Jesus community um, just several decades um, after Jesus um, has been killed, but has been resurrected, and has uh, returned seated uh, with God the Father. So before we talk about that, we need to talk about Sunday night routines. Anybody got like a Sunday night routine? It's just, you don't worry, you don't have to share it. I'm not trying to hurt anybody today. But I think a lot of us probably have something that we typically do on a Sunday night. Maybe some of us, it's like we're kind of in like the meal prepping thing. We're kind of thinking through the meals, thinking through the work schedules. Those of us who are attached to a school schedule, we're kind of thinking about that, kind of getting that rolling, getting the backpacks ready to go, all of that stuff. So in college, I had a Sunday night routine that I want to talk to you about, and it has to do with this wonderful place that hopefully this is going to show you. It has to do with Walmart. So Sunday nights, University of Sioux Falls, Burgess Hall is where I got to live. And Sunday nights, a crew of us, and I'm talking about like a crew of us, not three or four, like I'm talking like 10, would do a Walmart run on a Sunday night. Because Walmart's amazing, right? Because you can buy Twinkies and mortar oil in the same building. 
And if you're really feeling crazy, you can get a haircut too, right? There's like so much going on at Walmart. It's like one-stop shopping. It's amazing. I sort of think of the book of Ephesians like that. I kind of like to think of it as the Walmart of the Bible. And that might sound weird, but this is why. Because in this book, Paul's going to talk about a ton of different things. He's going to talk about God and who God is and how God works. He's going to talk about God's character. And he's going to talk about salvation. He's going to talk about like God's rescuing grace poured out on his people. He's going to talk about family. He's going to talk about marriage. He's going to talk about what it looks like to live in a house together and what we need to be paying attention to as we do that. He's going to talk about spiritual warfare. So he's going to talk about, hey, like there's, there's a war going on that we might not always be thinking about, but there is a holy one who has raised you to life, and there's an evil one who wants to bury you. And he's going to talk through that and how to put on the full armor of God. Take on these gifts that you have been given to wage this war. And over the next 11 weeks, we're going to get to just kind of walk through all of the stuff that Paul has to say to this young church who is desperately trying to figure out how to live the Jesus way. So let's talk a little bit about the city of Ephesus. So here's kind of, here's Jerusalem, right? Here's where Jesus does a lot of his ministry. Jerusalem is the place where he's put on trial. Jerusalem is the place where he's killed. Jerusalem is the place where he's raised to life. Jerusalem is the place where he ascends to the Father, and he calls and fills the disciples with this task, with this assignment to continue what we've started. Like, if, if we've had conversations about this kingdom that's coming, keep having those conversations. Like, keep sitting at meals with people, talking about the goodness of the grace of God. And then he ascends into heaven, and I just want to, I just wonder, like, what the disciples are thinking at that moment. It's like, oh, oh no, he's like actually gone now. So it's actually up to us. And I think fear is maybe something that they felt. But I think there's also this like joy and excitement that, man, we're getting invited into something. This is not just something that God did. God has empowered us to continue forward what he has begun. I just think that's amazing and beautiful. But then these little cities, right, that are popping up all over this region. So the gospel, right, starts in Jerusalem and then cities like Ephesus and Corinth and, and Philippi. These churches start springing up out of this Jesus movement that started with a man from Nazareth and some fishermen. Blows up into this region-shaping movement. And so Ephesus, let's talk a little bit about Ephesus as a city. So we need to talk about this place. Uh, this is actually a library. So if you, you can go there today, if, not today, it would take you a while. You can get there by tomorrow. And you can go to this library. It's called the Library of Celsus. Uh, and back in the day, it's built in like 117 AD. And it housed 12,000 scrolls. And all the book readers in the house are like salivating like 12,000 that would be amazing to go to a library like that. But then 
if you're not really a book person, not really a library person, don't worry, because they're shopping too. So that's where this area is. I can tell you're excited. So that's what this area is right here. This is a marketplace. And this marketplace had everything that you could have imagined, everything that you would want. It's 100 yards by 100 yards. Do I have anybody's attention yet? Lots of amazing shopping, right? So things from all over the world would come to this marketplace. So if the library's not your deal, don't worry. This is Costco, right? Like this is the place that has all of the stuff. So Ephesus was not this little town. Ephesus was this place of great significance in the ancient world. Because they got a library, they got Costco, that's good. They also have this theater. No, 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 you're going too fast. They have this theater, right? And all of these stories, right, are taking place in this theater. What's cool about this theater is that you can be talking right here. You could be seating way up here. Like these are the nosebleeds that you get off of StubHub. And you can still hear what's going on there. Stories with all kinds of characters, all kinds of truths are coming into this city. And it's shaping the city. And so Ephesus is not some kind of smaller town. I want you to think of Ephesus much more like New York City or Hong Kong. Like this is a place of great, great significance. And that is the place where this church is born. And so then Paul, he's in prison. There's a couple letters that he writes in the New Testament. He writes the book of Ephesians and the book of Philippians and the book of Colossians and the book of Philemon like with chains on his hands. And it's more than likely this particular letter, Paul maybe doesn't actually physically write with his hands, but he's dictating this letter to one of his partners, someone who is his partner in ministry. Because there's this church in Ephesus that needs to be reminded of some things. But it's not just written to this one church. I think it's actually written to the churches in like the 100 square mile radius of Ephesus. And so I think the idea is, these truths are not just for this particular church, but the idea is that you would pass around this letter to the other churches that are popping up. It's kind of like when someone gives you a birthday card. Ever been in a moment like this? Like it's your 11th birthday, it's your 64th birthday, and everybody's gathered around, and you start opening cards. And there's always one person in the group. Have you noticed this? And they're like, what's it say? You know? We want to we hear it. Pass it around. You know? And some card that's like, I don't want to pass that card around, but thank you. Right? It's, it's like a serious card, right? Anybody been in that moment before? Okay, yes. Okay, good. Thank you for tracking with me. That's how I want us to think about New Testament letters written by Paul. The, the idea is that they would be passed around. Okay? So that's the book of Ephesians. We also need to talk about this phrase in the book of Ephesians that shows up 27 times that I can count in the whole book and 11 times in the passage that we just read. These just two words, in him. Like it's going to pop up all over the place. And Paul's writing this to this group of people just to remember, like, hey, like where's your hope? It's in him. Like, where are you going to find truth? It's in him. Where are you going to find everything that you need for accomplishing what God has given you to accomplish? It's not somewhere outside of him, but it's in him. 
And what's beautiful, I think, is that God has acted for us in him. So what God does, he does in Christ. Like he sends Jesus, fills Jesus to carry out his assignment of helping bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. It makes me think of David in 1 Samuel 17. And it's this amazing story where he kills Goliath. Right? And, and all of Israel is impacted by that moment. It's not just David who's impacted by that moment. Not every other Israelite teenager has to kill a Goliath because Goliath has already been killed. And so with Jesus, who wins victory over the oldest, darkest enemy that we have, not just for himself, but for everybody in the kingdom. And so then in verse 1, here's what Paul says. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul describes himself as an apostle, as a messenger. That's how he thinks of himself. And I think we would describe ourselves in all kinds of ways today. Like you've been in a moment where you're meeting new people and you have to like introduce yourself. Like first day class maybe. You have to like share these really, really dumb things that nobody wants to like think of like, oh, my favorite animal or my favorite whatever, been in that kind of a moment, all the introverts are like, oh, that's when I go to the bathroom because I just hate when I have to do that. Paul is introducing himself to these people like, hey, I'm a, I'm a messenger of, of Christ Jesus. Like I'm a carrier of the name and way of Jesus. So don't look at me, look at Christ. And then in verse two, grace and peace to you. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's this greeting that Paul coins, grace and peace. And the grace part is like, hey, rejoice. Like wherever you're at today, whatever you're thinking through, whatever's happening, like if you're in him, like you're able to rejoice about something in peace. This is the Hebrew idea, shalom, wholeness. Like when everything calms down, when like the noise subsides, And you can just breathe. Paul wants people in this busy, busy city, this leading city in Asia Minor, to know the grace and the peace that God gives. And then this next section, verse 3 through verse 14. This is Paul's rambling. Ever been in a moment where you've rambled? This is Paul's rambling. It's in the original language, in the Greek, it's 202 words and it's one sentence. So in English, it's all kind of separated out. But in the original language, it just keeps going and going and going and going and going. Someone's telling a story and you're like nodding, like wondering when they're going to breathe, when you're going to have an opportunity to say something. This is what Paul is doing. We've all kind of been in that moment. Some of you are like, yeah, we're in that moment right now, bro. So that's just kind of where that is. He goes on and on because he can't help himself. There's, there's no stopping Paul from talking about how God has acted decisively in the lives of his people to bring truth and freedom and blessing. So verse 3 to 14 praises God for what? For how he has moved in the world. 
And there's a couple of truths I want to pull out. Here's the first one, that God's people are chosen by grace to be two things, Paul says. To be first holy and to be blameless in his sight. So here's the idea of holiness. Holiness is the idea that we're set apart. And blameless is the idea that we are made clean. But notice, there's three really, really important words that Paul writes. In his sight. Not in the sight, not being holy, not being blameless in the sight of anybody else. Not talking about being holy or being blameless in the sight of any coworker. Being holy, being blameless in the sight of anybody else in your family. Or anybody else that follows or comments on your social media posts. Not being holy and blameless in their sight. One of the things that leads to unfaithfulness in our lives is the way that we work to be holy and blameless in the sight of everybody else besides the one who has spoken holy and blameless over us. Because we choose them over him. We choose the crowd over the cross. And here, Paul is saying, remember, God has spoken holy and blameless over you. And it's in his sight that matters, not anybody else. So don't get stuck, don't get caught in wondering what everybody else is thinking about us, about this decision or that decision or that conviction or that conviction over here. Hello, I've spoken holy and blameless. And I know in Ephesus, there's a whole lot of opinions going on. There's a library, has 12,000 books. There's a shopping center that you can get all the stuff to make you feel good that you want, stuff that you would not have even thought of before is available to you. But in the middle of all of that, in the middle of the theater, with all kinds of stories, you need to remember that I have spoken, set apart and clean over your life because you're in him, because you're in Christ, because God has acted decisively on your behalf through him. And he belongs in the center. So that's number one. And then number two is this, that God's people are chosen for carrying out God's plan of saving grace. So first, we're people chosen by grace to be holy and blameless in his sight, but then it gets even better that God's people are chosen for carrying out God's plan of saving grace. So what that means is is we're not chosen, saved, redeemed just for our own sake, but for the sake of what God wants to accomplish through us. And that's amazing. Like God wants to accomplish something in you. God wants to accomplish something in me. And that's part of the grace that the story continues. Of course it's bigger than us. But of course our decisions matter in the middle of it. God wants to accomplish something. That person that you work with, that drives you complete bonkers. God wants to accomplish something in you as you interact with that person. That person in your family that you have been praying for for a really long time. God wants to accomplish something in that relationship. There's stuff that God wants to get to be about in your life. He wants to accomplish. He wants to build some things. Of course, he wants to tear some things down because there's some stuff that needs to be torn down. But there's something that he wants to do. You have not been saved and rescued just for your own sake, but for the sake of what God wants to accomplish through you and in your life. I believe that God has zero interest 
and leaving this earth that he created to rot. I want you to imagine having built something. Some of you maybe have built a shed in your life. Others of us were like, well, no, we like, we make dinner. We don't really like make that. We like make this. Imagine having made something, having worked on it really hard. Would it make any sense to let somebody else destroy it or just to let it rot? Like, hey, supper's ready. Come sit down whenever you want. If you like want to let it be cold and three weeks from now you want to come and eat, yeah, it's all good. Doesn't really matter. No, come and eat now. Maybe not with the fist. That was just to accentuate the point, but maybe not with that. No, like, I didn't create this so that it would rot. Like, I created this so that it would endure. So when Jesus comes on the scene and he dies on the cross and he gives new life to the whole world, it actually makes zero sense that the point is to get all of these people off of the earth and get there somewhere else, and then the thing that he built rots. No, that's the opposite of what the gospel is. That's the opposite of what God wants to do. Instead, he wants to flood the whole cosmos. He wants to flood earth and heaven together with his presence and his grace through his people. He wants to restore and redeem and heal the earth and establish his kingdom here. That's his prayer, isn't it? On earth as it is in heaven. Not on a different earth (laughs) than it is in heaven. On a different earth that I'm going to build. I haven't created it yet, but I'm going to create it as it is in heaven. No, on earth. Because what does God say? What does God speak over the world that he creates it? He creates the stars and the sky and the plants and the animals. And what does he call it? He calls it good. In Hebrew, it's this word tov. And it's connected to this idea of grace and peace, of wholeness, completeness. He calls it good. And if he's calling this place good, he's not going to want it to rot. He's not wanting to destroy it. So we need to take our hands a little bit off of this escape, this earth theology, and instead get our arms around like a redemptive, restorative way of life with God. Because he wants to heal and restore this place. So here's a question for us today. When was the last time we asked God what he wanted to accomplish through us? And I don't even know what you're thinking. Wow, what a brilliant, what a, wow, I'm glad I go to this church. I never would have thought of that question on my own. I'm not here this morning to impress anybody with what I know. My job in this moment is to be somebody in your life who can remind you that God is up to something in your life and he wants to accomplish something. So when's the last time that we've asked him, God, what do you want to accomplish in me? You got the coffee from Starbucks, you're on your way to work. God, just a, what I would like to call a steering wheel prayer. I know I'm convicting some of you. are like, oh my gosh, are you in the car with me? How do you know that? God, what do you want to accomplish in me? Like when you're in a heated argument with somebody, 
somebody in your family, God, what do you want to accomplish in me? Is there something that you want to do in the midst of this? Because I lost my temper again in this moment. Like, what do you want to do? Like when you are walking through a really difficult, dark, grief-filled season, God, what do you want to accomplish in me? Because Paul is writing a letter to a Jesus community. And he wants to tell this Jesus community, don't let the city rock you to sleep. Like, don't let all of the stories, this is kind of like a Mr. Rogers moment, but don't let the library, don't let the theater, don't let the marketplace accomplish something in you that pushes you away from what I've spoken over you. So what have I spoken over you? I've spoken over you three words, chosen, right? Chosen in Christ. What else have I spoken over you? I've spoken over you holy, set apart, different. I've spoken over you blameless, clean. Like there's not more stuff that you need to do to be holy and blameless in my sight. Because why? Because my grace has provided the way for that. So Ephesian church, don't let the city that you're in rock you to sleep. And I think it comes to us in, a, in maybe a different kind of way in this moment where we just realize, man, don't let the work that we do each and every day accomplish something in us that pushes us away from chosen, holy, blameless. Don't let somebody else's words spoken over you push you away from chosen, blameless, holy. Don't let what somebody else did in your life push you away from holy, chosen, blameless. Don't let your fear about the future, about tomorrow, the anxiety that comes with that push you away from chosen, holy, blameless. Don't allow the mistakes you've made, the darkness that you've walked in to push you away from chosen, holy, blameless. Because the theater is powerful. Those stories are deceptive. And libraries have a lot of opinions within them about how life should work out and what's true, what's beautiful, what's worth chasing. And man, that stinking marketplace it makes you feel awesome because of the stuff that you can accumulate and the drive for more and the drive for comfort. And Paul's saying, what those places have spoken over you will not last. They won't be life-giving. They will only rob you blind. And so if there's anything in our story today, in our life today, that is pushing us away from holy, chosen, and blameless, Paul says it's time to get out of that chair and remember that in Christ, we're not seated in that chair. Where are we seated? We're seated with him. He will say in the book of Colossians, 
in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. He says this so beautifully, that the dead, oh, the dead are hidden with Christ in God. How beautiful is that? Written from a prison that we're hidden with Christ in God. So not that chair in the heavenly realms and being seated in the heavenly realms of Christ actually impacts our relationship with the marketplace, with the theater, and with the library. And so today we're going to have a closing song, but my prayer is that maybe while we sing this the first time, just to remain seated and just to have a moment with God today, God, what do you want to accomplish in me? And then the second part of that question is, like, what is the city that I'm living in, like, what's being accomplished in me? How is the marketplace shaping me? How is the library shaping me? And is it accomplishing holy? Is it accomplishing blameless? Is it accomplishing chosen? And if not, it's probably time to get out of that chair. So I just invite you to consider that with me today. We pray, Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your life. We thank you that you have given us a, a place, that you've extended to us grace and peace, that you've extended to us chosen, holy, and blameless. And God, what do you want to accomplish in me? What do you want to accomplish in us? What do you want to accomplish in the friends here today that are seated before me? Holy Spirit, would you speak to us in these moments? Because God, maybe we've just been distracted by what you want to do. Distracted by all the stories around us, the bright lights of the city and the sounds of the city have been more formative in our life maybe than we'd like to admit. But God, what do you want to do? What do you want to accomplish? What do you want to do in this church? What do you want to accomplish in us? How do you want to form us? What do you want to tear down? What do you want to deconstruct? What do you want to build? What do you want to plant? What do you want to harvest? God, we're here for it. We're here for all of it. That you would have your way in us so that the grace that you have given us would empower us to be a part of accomplishing what you want to do. And so, God, we are yours today. And we love you, we thank you, and we trust you in this. Thank you so much for joining us on the Invitation Church podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message that you just heard and receive every part of it. Every promise from God, every declaration of his great love for you, every word of hope, every reminder that you have been made for more. Allow what you've heard to take root in your soul to allow Jesus to do the deep work that only he can do. I also want to encourage you to be part of what we are doing here at Invitation as we invite people to live the way of Jesus. Go to the app and become a regular giver, an investor in the story that God is writing in this place. Also, if you found the message meaningful, we'd love to have you share it with someone else as you partner with us in carrying the message beyond the walls of the church. I want to thank you for being here with us. Grace and peace.